Hello, Seraphim. Welcome to episode 25 of The Voice of Seraphim, recorded on Saturday, May 14th, 2011. Voice of Seraphim is your source for all the news and information related to Magic Online and the Seraphim Clan. Seraphim hosts a weekly tournament, monthly leagues, and other regularly scheduled events, including a cube draft. We use voice chat and have an active forum at seraphimclan.org where you can find out more about us. In today's episode of The Voice of Seraphim, Dicax, Eldritch Song, Dark Worship, and Pastafarian talk about the possibility of a Seraphim Players Club and crack a pack of new Phyrexia. Alright. And Dark, you had put something in the show notes about point rankings, tiers? Question mark? Uh, that's up to Song if uh, he's kind of wants to discuss it on the podcast. Oh. Song, do you want to discuss that on the podcast? Yeah, I actually think that would be a good idea because uh, I'm kind of stalling out. It's going to be nice to get some more feedback. So, what are we talking about here? Refresh my memory. Well, if you remember from the last podcast, remember I talked about a Seraphim Players Club? Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, so essentially this is what we're talking about. Um, and I've tried to work it out. So Dark and I spent some time last week um, kind of putting together the different levels that you could get for uh, being in the Players Club. And those different levels kind of led to other things. So uh, the basic idea that we're thinking of now, or at least that I've been thinking about, is um, adding, I think, 10 new events to the Seraphim lineup. And basically we would have a sort of model our tournament schedule kind of after the way Wizards does it. So, you know, they have, like, Friday Night Magics, which is sort of like, uh, you know, what our weekly tournaments are. And they have Grand Prix, and they have Pro Tours, and then they have a World Championship. Cool. So the idea would be that you play in our weekly tournaments, and you get points um, for, you know, just participating or, you know, winning, doing well. And those points add up, and you you know gain levels in this players club, and you get certain benefits. And uh, one of those benefits would be you get invited to, say, our Grand Prix type events. Um, and we would have five of those every ten weeks, um, and you can get an invite to that, and you play in that. And that's it'll be about the same as our weekly tournaments, the same kind of scale, uh, but it'll be kind of a weird format. It'll be a limited format, so we'll go into like tappedout.net and draft, or play some kind of other format like Singleton or Commander or what have you to kind of differentiate from our normal tournaments. Um, and then you'd also have Pro Tour events, which be, they would be quarterly, so they'd be four of those every year. And uh, ultimately, the you know players would get invited to a Worlds, which would happen at the end of the year. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's about it. So it would be ten events total that have to be added to the, uh, the schedule, but that doesn't seem too bad when you consider that it's over the period of the entire year. Wow, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. Uh, give me a second. I'll actually pull up the, the levels that we decided on. Yeah, that'd be 
and also one of the uh, cool little prizes that we had spoken about for the when you go up ranks as we'd kind of have a um, almost like our tournament winning sigs but uh, it would be kind of like a custom or a generic one that you just get your name slapped on and it's kind of like this is your level so everyone could post it on their uh, forum signatures and kind of see almost like a friendly competition see who moves up the fastest and that's kind of just something to kind of show off. Yeah, no, that's cool. That'd be cool. Okay, so the way it's set up is that there are going to be eight levels, the way like Wizards does it and the way Star City does. Uh, there's going to be 50 points. We kind of lowered the point value because we weren't sure. Uh, well, we, didn't, we didn't want to make it too hard to uh, allow people to get up in levels. Otherwise, it might get, some, people, some people not even want to try. So uh, we're going to go 50 points is the top limit. So after that, you're level eight and you're good. Um so if you get everyone that gets one point, they get that signature that Dark was talking about. And all these are cumulative, so you know, if you're level two, you get level one's benefits plus level twos and et cetera like that. Um, so level two receives you know, the form signature plus an invite to one of the Grand Prix tournaments, and that takes five points. Um, so the way we have, the, what we're thinking about the point system is that if you just attend the event, you get one point. Um, and if you win the tournament, you get first place, you get three points. And if you get, oh, it's four points. If you win the tournament, you get four points. If you take second, you get three. And if you do third or fourth, you get two points. Um, so and all, you, all you need to do in order to receive level two and to get an invite to the Grand Prix, the next, the next Grand Prix tournament is to uh, either attend five events, uh, which is half of that segment leading up to the Grand Prix, or you can do well in several tournaments and get the points you need that way. Because uh, the thing we didn't want to do is we do want to add these extra events, but we didn't want to make it so hard that the events ended up being, you know, only like maybe two or three people could show up. So we wanted to make it pretty easy to at least get to the Grand Prix events. Uh, so we only need, like I said, five to do that. So that shouldn't be too much of a burden for most people that play in our tournaments. Uh, and it, hopefully it does reward people that play more because you get points for participation, but also it rewards players that do well. So you can just play in maybe one or two a month if you couldn't play in the other ones and like maybe do second or third and still end up qualified. Uh, and see, level three, which is ten points, you get an invite to all the Grand Prix tournaments. So once you get level three, uh, you don't have to worry about qualifying for the Grand Prix tournaments anymore. You have invites to all of those, uh, and then you get a cho- you get a choice of either attending the Pro Tour, like one of the Pro Tours, or attending the World Championships. So you could de- decide if you only level three, you can decide which of those you want to uh, play in. Um, and, and like I said, there are going to be four Pro Tour events, and those are quarterly, and then there's going to be the One Worlds championship type event at the, very end, at the very end of the year. Uh, the next level, you get invites to all the Grand Prix, all the Pro Tours, and a World Championship. So once you're at 15 points, you don't have to worry about those invites anymore, and you're good to go there. Um, at level 5, which is 20 points, you get like all, you know, what I just mentioned, plus you get a uh, buy at each tournament. Um, so those would be our weekly tournaments. So that doesn't include the Grand Prix or the Pro Tour. So I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but I needed some kind of uh, award to give for level five. I wasn't sure where to go with that. So um, the thing with buys is that it's easier to get people buys if you have more players. So hopefully this will maybe increase tournament attendance, so it'll be easier to have that. And plus, level five is not – if it's too easy to get there, we might have to increase the level difference there or the point difference. Uh, but 
if you get to that level, you do get one buy at a tournament. So it means you get this, if you wanted to, you could skip round one uh, and just play in round two and three. So level five, you get a pretty decent leg up in our regular tournaments. Um, at level six, you get the buy, and also you get entry to all the Grand Prix tournaments. And so this brings up another point. Uh, one thing I was thinking is that for these Grand Prix tournaments, the Pro Tour things, and you know, just those, uh, there'd be like an entry fee maybe of two tickets the way uh, we could have those tournaments and actually have decent prizes to give out because our prizes for our weekly tournaments are just, you know, you get first place, you get a pack, and then the rest of the places you get, or second through fourth, you get like a promo card. Uh, and so that's not stellar. I think it'd be kind of cool if we could just charge an entry fee to these other tournaments and actually have decent prizes and then maybe save up half of that so for our world championship, actually have a pretty big prize uh, for the person that wins that. And I think that would be pretty sweet to encourage people to kind of kind of compete for a spot in that. Um, and one thing about the entry fee is that we talked about, like, before we talked about, like, having entry fees to our normal tournaments so that we could give out better prizes. Um, the difference, though, between that is that our regular tournaments um, are, they're, uh, I guess they're more frequent, so it would be a bigger burden. And plus, they're actually required by our attendance policy, um, whereas if we do these Grand Prix Pro Tour things, they're actually required by any kind of policy, so you're not forced to attend them. So even if you're qualified and you don't, you know, you don't want to pay the two tickets or whatever, you don't have to do that. It's just something that if you want to compete and you want to have actually a decent prize at the end, something you can pay for by the entry fee. Uh, so if you get level six, it means you get free entry. So you don't have to pay anything to attend our Grand Prix tournaments. Uh, level seven, you get free entry to the Pro Tour tournaments also. And level eight, you get all of that, plus you receive a Planeswalker card from the new, the new set, or the most current set. That's cool. Sounds good. And that's essentially how it would work. And I, th I mean, on these, they're obviously we can tweak the point values, or we can we can tweak some of the benefits. I just want to have sort of a, a skeleton for the for the um, the the levels, the way I can kind of see where you know what direction they're going in. Um, and I think it looks pretty good just as a first as a first draft. Because uh, one thing, you know, uh, I realize that we can't afford to give out awesome prizes for our weekly tournaments because we don't charge entry fees and all our money pretty much comes from league entries, and if people don't sign up for that a lot, that means we have less money to pay for other things. Um, so I thought one thing that kind of people are competing for nowadays for our tournaments is they want to, you know, get a trophy uh, to put, at, you know, in the form signature. So I thought, you know, why not add another dimension to this and give out points uh, that level you up and give you other benefits that we can actually afford to do without having to pay extra money out. Um, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think it makes sense. I think, to me, it's more of a psychological thing. People want this trophy and they want these points, hopefully, uh, even though, you know, they're not actually material. Um, so I think that's something we can do that hopefully will boost the tenant membership so people will view our prizes as being, you know, more than they actually are. Like, you get a trophy and you get levels for this players club. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. So are you guys wanting, are you wanting some specific feedback or just people's general take on it, or if they have any ideas? I would like all of the above. Uh, I definitely would like to have just general, like, how do you feel about this idea? Do you think you would pay the entry fee? Do you think you would attend these tournaments? Do you like the concept? Do you think the point values? And, I mean, do you think earning points is a good prize? Do you, would you compete in tournaments just because you want to get the points to level up? I mean, that's, those are the kind of things I would like to know just generally. Um, obviously, I would like to have, like, you know, if you think one of the levels is wrong, you don't like the, the prize for you know, like level eight, you don't think that the Planeswalker card is a good deal. You want something else or something better or something else, you know, something different than that. You know, just let me know about that as well. 
um, or if you have other ideas for, you know, what kind of prizes. I mean, I, I'll try to look at the Star City Games Players Club and the Wizards one uh, and see what they gave for each of the levels. I'll try to model ours off theirs um, as similarly as possible. Obviously, though, some of the benefits for their higher levels is that they give you, you know, an appearance fee and free travel, free hotel. You know, those things don't apply to us. And obviously, we can't give people appearance fees. That would be kind of counterproductive uh, for the idea. So I try to uh, add in benefits I thought were um, people would actually want to have. They'd actually try to get points so they can reach that level and get to that point where they wouldn't have to, say, pay entry fees to tournaments or where they could get, you know, the Planeswalker card for level 8 or, you know, get the buy for level 6, you know, things like that. Um, prizes. But if you have any, you know, anything else that you think might motivate you or motivate other people to get to those higher levels, let me know about that. Um, the stumbling block that I'm having right now as sort of a transition to, you know, why haven't we already implemented this um, is because I, I guess I need, I need some feedback on what, you know, what kind of formats would you like the, for the Grand Prix and the Pro Tour and the Worlds to be. I'd like to be able to actually make like a master schedule now and start setting that kind of stuff up the way we could maybe start like a trial run from, you know, whenever we you know, started this year and have that carry over to the next year, you know, whatever. I want to be able to actually make a schedule and have that sort of carry over. Um, I think we were going to start this Players Club thing. What we do, the way the players' points work is that you earn points for one year, and that gives you your level that carries over through the next year. Um, so if we started it this year, you could start earning points from our tournaments, and then, you know, starting January of the next year, that would be your level that you'd carry over for that entire year until the next year. Um, so we won't actually need to set up these tournaments, like the Grand Prix Pro Tour World Championship thing, until the following year. Uh, but I'd like to be able to sort of iron out what the format would be. Like, uh, one thing I was thinking is, like, like I said, the, the Grand Prix would just be, like, a one-day tournament, like our normal tournaments, and it would be maybe a special format. Uh, for the Pro Tours, I'd actually like to do, like, a two-day format, where, let's say, maybe the first day is a limited format, and the second day is a constructive format. Uh, and then maybe for the World Championship, maybe have, you know, that maybe a three-day thing or a two-day thing or I don't know what I'm going to do there, but I just, like, I guess feedback on the format ideas of these tournaments. The level system sounds really cool. I think that'll appeal to people. I mean, really all you're doing is you're giving more structure to to the things that we have, kind of tying them together and making them more like the real magic. So that's cool. I think that'll be cool. Yeah, that was actually one consideration of why we should have a players club. Um, because I did... I mean, we do have a lot of disparate events. Like we have our weekly tournaments, and then we have cube drafts, and then sometimes our players hold, like, legacy tournaments, or they've always been holding those free drafts every now and then. I would like to have sort of a continuity between all of our events, and maybe these player points could be that thing that connects them all together. Yeah. What do you think, Pasta? What are Pasta's thoughts on this? I love the Players Club idea. And I... Like I've told Song, I think it's extremely uh, solid and well thought out. Awesome. I want a banana fist here. Okay. But I'm going to go on, go off on a, a slight tangent. I just messaged Song and all this uh, discussion of the Players Club has got my uh, creative juices flowing. And it could be unrelated or related. But uh, throughout the forums and just chats over probably months and months, and I've started to see it more recently uh, in the forums, not so much in game chat because I haven't been here as much, but people are complaining that they can't make an event or 
whatnot, right? Or their events not not sponsored. What if we what if we set up like a a weekly schedule that it wasn't a you didn't have to be there at a certain time at all. It was just unofficially known as Commander Tuesday. And if you play a Commander game involving clan members at all on Commander Tuesday, you get some kind of reward or point towards possibly the player's club. Or the same thing would be if it's Extended Thursday or Legacy Saturday or, or whatever, whatever the, the majority wants to see. It doesn't have to be an official tournament. You just have to take part in a, with your clan members in that format of the day. Does that make any sense? Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, Mafoy had, um, I don't know how you say his name, but that's how I'll say it. Mafoy had, uh, one thing I was going to talk about was the draft that he put together for, uh, that he kind of took the lead on, which I thought was pretty cool. I mean, basically it was a SCARS draft that we did using tapped, yeah. tapped, tapped out net. Absolutely, that's, that's yeah. And you guys did use tapped out, and that's that's an awesome thing to do. And if you if you wanted to do that as a even a once a month thing or the weekly thing or biweekly thing, like limited Thursdays, but then uh, fracture, I believe, host the uh, Clone Magic Clone Magic Sundays. There you go. Yeah, I was actually thinking about talking to Malfoy about that and seeing if he was planning to make that a regular thing. I was trying to figure out a night that I could kind of co-sponsor it with him so it could be an event. But that type of thing it would be really cool for because, you know, I, I don't even know how much people care about the prizes. How often do people take the prizes for the tournaments and such? such? Um, every now and then, not as often as you would think. Um, sometimes I'm not even sure they're aware that there are prizes, which is nice. Um, and I don't ever mention it just because, uh, you know, like I said, we are kind of low on funds, so... I don't mind if someone doesn't know that there's a prize, but if they do request it, obviously I give it to them. But uh, I say about maybe 45, maybe 40 percent, uh, people actually request their prize after the tournament's over. I guess my point is that that's much more um, tangible than a signature on the form, and yet people don't really care about that. They do seem to care about the signature on the form. I think they'd care about the point system, and. Uh, I mean, I think that kind of informal incentive is probably all you need for most people. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I, I did want to, you know, I do want to reward people that are consistently at our tournaments and that actually have a more visible means of like telling who's at tournaments. So, you know, for instance, like our, our tournaments now, you don't really know who's been at each of our tournaments unless you either you look at all the summaries, all the player rankings, or you just see who won by looking at like trophy count. Uh, but you know, there are people, you know, in all these tournaments, obviously there's you know, there's the other, like, there's eight people. Only one of those is the one that's winning, and the other seven don't really kind of get credit for being there as much. And I think it's nice that the Players Club, at least, if you have, if you're level, you know, level three or four or five, you may not have, you know, five or six trophies, but people can still tell that you're a dedicated member and that you do well in all tournaments because you have such a high level ranking in our Players Club. Because the thing now it is, like, if you don't win the tournament, you don't get the trophy, you walk away from... There are tremendous basically nothing besides just the experience of having played, which still is nice, but I think it'd be nice to be able to walk away with at least knowing that even if you didn't win, even if you went, you know, 0-2 the entire tournament, you still walked away with one player point, and that'll eventually add up, and you'll keep leveling up the more you play and the better you get and the more tournaments you attend. Yep. That's, and uh, about Posse's idea, I really, I really like that. I think that's actually a really good idea. Because, uh, yeah, I've been seeing those posts, and, you know, people are like, 
you know, they can't, they don't like, you know, they don't like the times, um, or they don't like the, the day, don't like the weekends, or they want something in the middle of the week. You know, those are things that are kind of hard to, you know, reconcile across an entire clan where everybody has different schedules, different preferences, um, you know, all those kind of things. Um, and I do think that it'd be nice if we could, like, like, like you said, um, just have a day set up um, where people can play that format against each other, and as long as it's a clan, you know, against the clan member or with the clan member, so say it's like a commander day, as long as there's like one other clan member with you playing commander, I think that should count. Um, and you just, it's, I guess, the, I guess the point is just to get people in the clan to play together more often, and then you know maybe give player points for that, just to give them a reward for playing with clan members uh, to encourage, I guess, to encourage people to meet each other in the clan. We do have a pretty big clan. Um, so I think people need to interact more because that's kind of the point of joining in the first place. And the other thing I like about that idea is that it gives us a way to sort of um, pseudo hold, I have like pseudo events for those, for those formats that we can't officially support because there aren't that many players that actually like them. So for instance, or it's or it's like too difficult to actually have a tournament for. So, for instance, commander, we've got a lot of those people in the clan that could play the you know format, but it's very hard to actually have events for them because they last such a long time and you have to have four players per table, and it's a bit awkward with the numbers. So, we actually had just a whole day to do that. I didn't have to have you know a, a specific person like running it or organizing it, and it's sort of free form. You can play it whenever you want to, whenever you have the people online to do it, and you still get credit within the clan for actually playing with clan members. And the same thing goes for, like, extended uh, legacy, even, like, singleton, those kind of formats that we can't, we don't typically have support for in the clan, but people still would like to play if they could. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. So what it... And it just it, it encourages uh, different types of play, or it, it rewards the casual member, depending on the format chosen, or it rewards the hardcore member... I know we have a, a little bit of a legacy base. I don't play legacy, and but we I think we have some talented legacy players that don't otherwise get to shine or show up at tournaments and time constraints and all that. So let, let's bolster this community, make it stronger, and like Song said, and, and encourage play between members that normally wouldn't or didn't even know that they played that format. I think, it, you know, I can, I can actually see it happening. Like, you know, right now you have, like, league events and people saying, you know, anyone want to play a league game? Well, I can see, like, having these events, like, maybe Commander Tuesday, like you were saying, Pasta, people asking, you know, who wants to play a Commander tournament for the Commander Tuesday event so we can get player points or what have you. And I, I definitely would like to see people asking clan members for games more often than they do now. I don't, you know, I know that the casual room has its place, but I do think it's way too impersonal for people to actually legitimately enjoy it for a long period of time. And I think it's important in the clan that they don't like player retention. And I think part of that is, you know, getting people within the clan to meet each other and play formats that they don't normally play and really kind of expand their boundaries. So I think this is a good idea. And I would actually like to see maybe it be a weekday thing exclusively, perhaps, because we already have, like, you know, our Saturday, Sunday, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, typically already have events going on. Um, the weekends are not really a problem for hosting events. It's really the other weekdays that are, I guess, that are that are harder on people and that are harder to hold events for because everyone's like working or you know having you know doing going to school or 
you know, what have you during those weekdays. So I think it'd be nice if we had, like, let's say Monday through Thursday, perhaps, had, you know, a format for each day, maybe rotated those similarly to way, like, you know, the way we rotate our weekly tournaments, uh, the way maybe one month Monday is extended and then, um, or one week extended is Monday and the next week extended is Tuesday. We just rotate like that so everybody has a chance to play all those formats, like, on one of those days. I think you hit the nail on the head with saying uh, it, it would also encourage people that would not normally play that format to dip their toes in it, possibly. I definitely think so. Like I said, I think what the main the formats I'm coming up with now that we need support for, like Commander, Extended, Legacy, and maybe Clone Magic. I think it would be nice to actually have a Clone Magic event independent of the Sunday tournament to get more people to play that, but I'm not sure. I think it's... We can iron out the formats later, but I just like the idea of having it. I mean, what do you think of it being a weekday, a weekday thing? Well, I, I like the the weekday thing, and I like it not being like an official tournament. Like you can get some kind of reward just for if you're from Europe and you log on at three in the morning my time, and we get a game in of Legacy Extended, whatever it is on that day that you get some kind of just little reward for that, be it like a point towards the uh, Players Club or whatever it is decided. Just some kind of incentive. Do you think they ought to, I guess, do you think they ought to rotate each? Like, so they, they change days so people can, maybe you can't play on Monday, but you can play on Tuesday? Possibly. I think if it, it, if it comes down to, like, all these specific formats, then there should be probably somebody in charge of, like, collecting the results. So if you play a legacy game on Legacy Monday or Tuesday or if it rotates and whatnot, you report, hey, I played this, I won, I get two points. I didn't win, I get one point because I just participated in it. Or however it's done and you get zero points, you only get one point if you win. But you report that to, say, Fist Alpha because that's who's coming to mind is a big legacy uh, proponent. If it was a clone magic, you report to Fracture. I think it's easy again to actually run those. Ah, you're right. I'm sorry. That's why I banana fisted this before I all began. <laughs> hey, can you edit in any time I've said Fracture to Easy Pickens? Yeah, yeah. Other than this time? <laughs> Fracture's pretty cool. <laughs> you can report it to Easy Pickens and whatever. Yeah, you have, like, you edit, use, use Dark's Easy Pickens, though. Yeah, like, do they have uh, an audio equipment to find and replace? What, what do I need? That'd be pretty I'm, a, I'm, I'm assuming this is not going to be part of the podcast. What do I need That's to edit? Why through that banana oh, fist? Anytime I said fracture, you need to put easy, dark saw, easy pickings. Easy pickings. Because I fucked it up. Oh. It's easy pickings. It's not oh. fracture. But the, I'm a, like I said, I'm assuming this entire conversation is not part of the podcast. Oh. If you don't, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't mind it being. You know, I mean, I don't see a problem with it being. Yeah, I mean, I think the nice thing about the days is that nobody's responsible for you know officially holding a tournament or something like that. I mean, I think that that's just an unrealistic burden to place on on uh, what's the guy's name, Eldritch Song. Well, exactly. Um, quick off. And, and you still get some kind of uh, like reward, like because I know actually you can't show up to the tournaments. Just, You've got a life, and you got shit to do on the times that we're holding tournaments. But that should not, uh, like, penalize you for being in the clan. And you're quite active in the clan, but there's, I think there's a lot of people that 
can't make it to it and kind of feel like the redheaded stepchild because they can't make it to the tournament, we should try to accommodate them. And the league was trying to do that a little bit, but then that's asking people to donate money and so on and so forth. I think we've established ourselves as uh, self-sufficient beyond that at this point to where that's not necessary. That's what I think. And we... That's what I think. Oh, go ahead. That's what I think both the point, the level system that you're talking about and the, the like, game days, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, are, are also nice. They're self-sustaining. They, they don't cost you money or the clan money or anything, and that's cool. Yeah, I think anything that we can do to get people more involved in the clan and make them want to play more magic with clan members that doesn't actually force us to pay out anything, uh, I think we should try to do anything that we can to get those working. Actually, I do like the idea of calling them, like, Seraphim Game Days. Um, and I think we should probably have a day for each major format. So, you know, Standard, Extended, Legacy, and then maybe Multiplayer, and just include all of those, like, so Commander, Two-Headed Giant, um, you know, anything like that, just so we can get... Everyone has an opportunity to play whatever format they like against people in the clan and get actually, you know, like, like credit for it within the clan. So, and you know, encourage people to participate like that and get points and, you know, level up. So even if you don't even attend, so let's say you can't attend our weekly tournaments, you can still qualify for our Grand Prix just by playing in these game days, in which case you could just find time to, you know, play in that one tournament um, and still have qualified for it by not having needed to play in any of our other weekly tournaments because you, I mean, you couldn't attend those for whatever reason. Just kind of like thinking about it, if, if it's to work that way, playing in the weekly tournaments or any, like, tournament-type setting the win should add more, so maybe if you add it, if you make these uh, daily, weekly, just like player matches, you have to get three wins a month to equal the point of of a weekly tournament, like win-win. And that's giving you like 20 shots. You win three out of 20 if you're doing that. That equals winner of tournament, like point. Because you can't just have like player just a player match equals a ten player tournament win, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Um I guess maybe what we could do is just like if you two people are playing and one person wins, the person that wins gets one point, the person that doesn't win doesn't get any points, but then I don't know. I guess I mean there's some kinks to work out, like how many points do we award people and also like what happens if we had like someone that just like take two people log on during the standard day and they just sit there and they play each other in standard matches for, like, the next, like, four hours. You know, that... I mean, do we count all of those? Um, do they get points for each one they play? I, mean, I, I don't like... You know, the league has, a lot of, you know, a lot of complicated rules. You, you only play, you know, the same person once a week. Um, you can only play five matches a week. You get bonus points for playing five. You know, you get points for playing a certain percentage of people that participating in the league. I mean, you, you know, you play the same person again, you get a tiebreaker point. I mean, there's a lot of complicated um, stuff in there that I think might be part of a contributing factor to why some people try to stay away from leaks because they're afraid of the rules. Um, and well, the, the rules aren't that hard to get your head around once you, you know, get used to them, but some people might just be afraid of those. And I know I've gotten a lot of, you know, PMs, uh, things that, you know, people are trying to clarify rules because they're not sure how they work or they, you know, they didn't read the, you know, the summary that well and they missed a rule and then I had to remind them and then they kind of got confused again. Uh, so I think for these game days, I'd like to keep the rules as simple as possible. The way pretty much it's just you log on, 
and play a clan member with the mat, you know, in that format, and you get something as a reward for doing that. Um, and so we do have to iron out how we do it because the more rules we put in, and the more restrictions we have, I think the less people are going to be inclined to take part in it. If you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, can keep it simple. I mean, so I think if you did that, I mean, I think almost you have to treat it. I, I like to treat these things as almost like the two-man, you know, two-man cues you have in, um, you know, like managing like the tournament section where you know you play, you log in, you join the queue, and that person that wins gets a pack out of it, and the person doesn't have anything, you know, they. They played and they lost and they don't get any points. The first person gets, you know, whoever wins only gets the reward. So I think the simplest way that I can see to do it would just be, you know, the person that wins gets a point and the person that loses does not. Um, and the, the way you can look at that, it would be the equivalent of particip- like just participating in one of our weekly tournaments. And while I don't think they're exactly equivalent, I think this is about as close as we can get without maybe raising the point value for just straight Participation. And if you did that, I think you have to raise the point cap um, for the levels anyway. So a lot of food for thought. Yeah, but I think we have a pretty nice start and uh, lots of good ideas today. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry to throw us off on that uh, side trick. Just kind of came to mind there. No problem. Yeah, I, I think that pretty much. I think that's pretty much everything that was on our list to talk about. So. That's cool. Well, I think your idea, Pasta, sort of just added on to this, the discussion of the Players Club because we needed those events. We needed the Players Club first to have a potential reward for people that played in those game days. So it's kind of nice to be able to move from one topic to the other and see how maybe we can connect all these things together like we were talking about earlier. I guess on another note, uh, one thing that I've been ruminating over that's been kind of getting, giving me issues is that uh, I'm not sure what to call these the, the, like the Grand Prix tournaments, the Pro Tour tournaments, and the World Championship thing. Um, I thought, based on a previous idea, that we could call the entire the entire thing. We can call it the Chromatic Championship Series. The way we like the idea that we had about a year ago, actually, um, that never actually that never really happened. It sort of led to our Chromatic tournaments. Um, it'd be nice to have sort of an overarching series, so we can call it that. But I'm not sure what to call the individual tournaments. So that's sort of a very minor point in the overall scope of this project, but uh, some of the people, people listening to the podcast that have an idea for what you, you know, we should like, name these events, um, I wouldn't mind hearing about that as well. And that would be very helpful to have some ideas. I guess what I was, like I was saying before um, about how these points work is that we could have, you know, start putting the points system in right now um, and give people the option to earn points um, since they won't, like, since you're like, whatever level you earn won't actually apply until the following year. We could, you know, insert the point system now and let people start going ahead and earning points. Even if we haven't ironed out how the tournaments are actually going to work next year, we can go ahead and start the process and get people's feedback on the point system, plus get their ideas on formats, the Grand Prix, the Pro Tour, all those things, and have that ironed out by the next year when the level is actually going to matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, it sounded like what you were trying to do is kind of set the bar low rather than and avoid, like, nobody reaching any of the levels. Well, one thing that I've noticed, just, like, you know, we've introduced a lot of weird ideas in the clan since we started, and the biggest thing that I've noticed is that if you try to start an idea too big, it's, you're never going to end up reaching it because there's too many moving parts you get to finalize before you ever get anywhere. So that was, like, what happened with our chromatic, our chromatic idea in the very first place, you know. 
different sub-clans, battling, having tournaments, you know, things like that. The idea itself was just too huge, so, you know, I downsized that and said, why don't we just have a chromatic, you know, tournament, and that's for a monthly schedule, and that could be the idea. So it went from this huge thing to this really tiny sort of thing that actually ended up, ended up working quite well. Uh, and so the same thing kind of applies to this idea. I don't want to spend so much time trying to iron out these details that we never actually implemented. I would like to go ahead and put the point system into practice and then slowly build onto that, you know, maybe add the game day that Paso is talking about and figure out these tournaments for the next year, the way we can be there and have like, this groundwork laid so we don't have to tackle the entire idea at once. Quick update. Uh, Dicax, I'm playing the guy that beat you. And I'm up one now, and he's going really slow. Sorry to hear that. The one O part or the slow part? Slow part. Yeah, this time I took out a uh, Elves and Benchvine and doing a lot better. Uh, so I guess on a whole, like a totally different topic, uh, we could talk about the cube. Yeah, I was wondering about the cube. Moifoy's making a lot of videos, man, of the cube drafts. What is the update on the cube? Our what is? Uh, well, um. Plague Dogma went through the uh, white, black, blue, and green, uh, the colors, a few weeks, I think last week, actually, and he updated um, all of that. So we actually had a few cards come out, a few new ones come in, um, and also we updated our wish list. So um, we actually already have our wish list set up for New Phyrexia. So we've got Mirrodin Besiege and New Phyrexia updates already planned. So whenever we get those cards, we can start adding them. Um, so, and actually today I went through and I did, I finished up the rest of the colors. So I finished up uh, the red, colorless, multicolor, and I even added the rest of, like, some lands. Um, so we, right now the cube, the eventual size of the cube is going to be at 500. We've actually got all the cards now added to it, uh, or at least all the cards plan to be added to it. And we just need to start adding, what's keeping us from reaching the 500 level is the land cards. So we do need to start, you know, slowly adding these non-basic lands, but uh, it's not, I guess, not the biggest thing, because most people tend to undervalue lands anyway, um, compared to, like, creatures and spells and, you know, whatever, because those are, the, I guess, the more fun parts of playing Magic, um, you know, as opposed to, like, mana fixing your utility lands. So, all the colors have been updated, they've been tweaked, and some of the subpar cards, so, you know, we, we had this list initially, but, you know, none of it had been tested. I can say now, after about 30-something-odd drafts, that we've tested the cube pretty hard, um, and so, I think... I have a general idea, and so I think everybody else, sort of the cards that people don't like to play, you know, the cards that end up in people's sideboards a lot that never get, you know, any kind of game time. Um, so those are the cards at this point that we're trying to remove and replace with more, you know, different cards, maybe um, cards people would be more inclined to play. So that's what these last updates have been doing, taking out sort of those subpar cards. So like to give you an example, um, there are a lot of cards in red, like Ravenous Baboons um, and... Um, other cards like that that were focused on land destruction uh, and simply non-basic land. So we only have we only got right now ten non-basics in the cube. So those cards, you know, typically will will, will always go in you know, like last pick because nobody needed those cards and we wanted to play those cards. So a lot of those have been removed and placed, you know, updated with creatures and spells that people actually would like to have in their decks. Hopefully, um, and that's kind of the updates that we've been doing across the board. Um, and all that stuff has been updated, and the wish list, like I said, has been updated, so uh, the cube's actually looking pretty good so far. And yeah, and like, about these videos, um, so we've got Nefoli, who now has Camtasian, so he's been doing, he's been recording his point of view from the drafts he's played in. Um, Moriuloth has also been recording his 
I think he's recorded one cube draft so far, and that's been uploaded. Um, so there's that, and you know, there's also my normal cube drafts that I've been uploading um, regularly. So um, at least for this last cube draft, you can get my perspective plus Nick Foley's perspective um, on this last one. Um, actually, we faced each other in round one, so I actually went through and watched his video of him playing me. Uh, I thought that was pretty entertaining to see what he was thinking as uh, we played that first round. So it's nice to be able to get those two, you know, I kind of always hoped for having multiple people reporting the same draft and getting these different perspectives, like the nearly all-star draft they did a while back for Channel Fireball. So, yeah, so right now our, our main page is just covered up in all these cube draft videos. Um, so if you like cube drafts, you're not going to lack for content because we're doing, like, this last few weeks we've been doing two cube drafts a week, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday, and there's been a recording pretty much from each one, so there's a ton of cube draft stuff up there on our YouTube page, so we, we have, like, hours of things to watch. Dark. Way to go, Dark. You're even. Way to go. That means I lost my oh, second game. Oh, uh, Dark. Come back, Dark. Beat the guy. Beat Bacana. You guys ready for crack pack? Oh my god, are we doing new fraction? Yeah. Woo! Let's see how this goes. Alright, we have our first common is Flameborn Byron. Probably don't even remember this from the spoilers. It's four and two red. It's a six four creature insect. Expensive. Say it again. It's a 6-4 for four and two red. Just your garden variety creature. Flameborn, Byron, Viren. I'd say Byron. Our next common is Forced Worship, which is one and a white. It's an enchanted creature. Enchanted creature can't attack. For two and a white, you can return Forced Worship to its owner's hand. I actually like that a lot because um, I think I'll be one of the like, the staples of white removal has been, like, the pacifism effect, the arrest effect. Um, and, obviously, we're going to get that back again, the um, pacifism effect, the can't attack. Um, and I guess it has a few downsides that, you know, they can still block, they can still use activated abilities, but it does keep them from hitting your lap total, and plus it's recurrable, so I drop another creature that's more of a threat, um, you can bounce it to your hand, and then replay it on that other creature. You can now deal with the one that you had it on before. So I think it's going to be a pretty high pick for white removal. Yeah, it was, it's definitely a, a removal option that white needed, besides uh, Banishment Decree and Divine Offering. Yeah. No, it's really nice to be able to return it to your hand. And on the Flameborn uh, Viren, or whatever the hell his name is, he's uh, not that bad. He's got a four butt on him. He's a late pick, but you probably wouldn't be unhappy to have him in your deck. It's a big crawl worm. Sometimes you want crawl worms. And our third common is Dementia Bat. It's four and a black. It's a 2-2 two -two with flying. And for four and a black, you can sacrifice... Oh, Dark. What happened to you? He had a nut draw. Damn it. Bastard. So for four and a black, you can sacrifice Dementia Bat and target player discards two cards. Yuck. Not sure you'd want to activate that, but... He's uh, probably better than you think. Another late pick, but he's a good okay. man. Okay. Yeah, I can actually see this guy being decent. Especially, I think it's not a, he's obviously not an aggro card. It's more of a control card. I'm not sure. I, mean, I think Black's, thus far, hasn't really been too much in the control area because it's been mostly infects-type creatures. 
think it's nice to see that they're adding a few more utility black cards that can go into more of a controllish type deck. Um, and five mana for a two-two that can the next turn make them make their opponent discard two cards. Like it's possible it's not it's not that great of an ability, but I think it could go in most controllish black decks. It's it's definitely not a constructed card, but it's quite niche and uh, limited and useful. Okay. You should join the Phyrexian uh, Q Dark. Do it, do it. Our next one is Rotic Hystrix. For four and a green, it's a 3-6 beast. Nice, nice uh, back end on him. Another late pick. Got a lot of late picks here, but nothing's really been garbage. Yeah, I've played worse at the five mana spot in a draft, so. I mean, he's to me, he's almost mid-round if that's your thing you're going for. Big bodies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he's going to hold the ground quite well if that's what you need. Yeah, I was going to mention that. The fact that it's a five drop is actually not... actually makes it better than these other cards we've seen so far, I think, because... Like, I think we, you know, mentioned this, like, every other Packer pack is that the six drops is pretty crowded. There are a lot of, you know, a lot of those kind of type of cards, like a lot of dinosaur type cards that fit in the six drop spot. It's nice to see sort of a big, sort of a big, you know, five drop spot where you can put that there and still not be worried about your curve being too heavy in the six drop. Now the casting cost is nice, as is the uh, power toughness. I mean, the six is pretty major. The three on the, uh, Backswing is pretty good. He can trade with quite a few attackers. He can he can take a cyst bear and still be left as a uh, what one one four. Yeah, that's pretty frickin' decent. Left as a horn turtle. You can't argue that. Our next comment is victorious destruction. Four and a red. Destroy target artifact or land. Its controller loses one life. Meh. The, the destroy artifacts, obviously the useful part out of it, but you got, I guess, I mean, if you're hard up and you got no other answers for a destroy artifact, you can get this late, but there's shatters and crushes that you'd probably rather have. I mean, I think, I mean, if you're playing this, I mean, if you're playing this card, you're really getting it, you're paying for the, the ability to destroy land. That's the key part of it. Like Austin said, like, there are so many other red effects, like, especially shatter, that's just blows this effect out of the water. Um, I don't, like I said, I think some decks might take it late if they don't, you know, like they just, like, missed all the shatters and they need some kind of artifact removal. Um, I think, though, there might be a few decks that actually want this card over shatter, like, especially if they're, like, a, like an, you know, an acceleration deck, maybe a ramp-type deck um, that can get up to five mana pretty fast and start destroying, maybe destroying lands. Um, I don't think land destruction is really going to be a viable strategy, but it is sort of a nice tempo boost to be able to ramp up to five and destroy someone's land, maybe on their the third land on turn three, or what have you. Be up, you know, a few mirror and maybe Spirit of Suns or what, you know, whatever, to, you know, get there quickly. Aren't there cheaper uh, land destruction effects, though? And Scars Block? I'm not sure. I believe there's a four mana. The name's escaping me now. Molten. I think... Core... Yeah, there's one that destroys a land and deals two damage. Yeah. See, the thing with that, though, is that it's just straight-up land land destruction, which is not playable, really. I think the fact that... I mean, I think this might be playable because it has artifact and land, so you could do either or, because, you know, a lot of cases, 
you know, you might draw, you know, this card late game and want to take the, you know, the artifact, or you draw it early game, you ramp up to it, and you might decide to, you know, just red land with it. So it's nice to have the option, I think. But like I said, it's not really a high pick, but it does have, I think, possibilities in certain types of decks. Yeah, I think it has its uses, but if you're forced to run this in, in your draft deck, then your draft deck's probably got problems if you're falling back on this guy or this spell. Your five slot should better be filled up. Wouldn't you rather have a turn to slag or that three six body? That's a good point. Our next common is Psychic Barrier, which is two blue. It's an instant counter target creature spell. Its controller loses one life. Um it's sort of an upgrade to what was it? One what was the other kind of spell? Wasn't it like in the course that did the same that countered creature spells only? Remove soul? No, that's, yeah, yeah, remove soul. That's not the one I was thinking of, but it was whatever. It was one in the blue counter creature spell. Um, this is sort of an upgrade to that. Um, I think if you're playing blue, it's actually not a bad card to, to run since creatures are really what's going to end up winning the game anyway. So typically the things you want to be countering are going to be creatures a lot of the times. That's not always true, but. I think if you're heavy, like, have, like, a decent amount of blue, maybe you're um, heavy, like, heavy blue, it's not a bad card to run. It's it's not a bad card. It's inferior to uh, remove soul or whatever the functional reprint was that the song's thinking of. But it's good stuff. But it's good stuff. So, our next card. I was thinking next. of uh, Essence Scatter. That's the card. Ah. Our next card. Our next comment is Thundering Tanadon for four and two green Phyrexia. It's a beast. It's five four with trample. I just played that guy's big brother, by the way. I just played in an elf deck Terrastrodon and blew up three of my own lands. But yeah, uh, Thundering Tanadon, I think it's pretty good. I mean, you're looking at paying four life to play it, so it's not as good as the other Phyrexian mana cards. But a uh, 5-4 trample on turn four is pretty impactful in the uh, block. That said, though, I think that even if you didn't have Phyrexian mana, six mana for a 5-4 with trample is still not a bad deal either. I think there are some games where you would want to play them. I think if you had them, there are some games where you want to play them for four and just take the four life. Um, I think probably most often, though, is going to be cast for five. His Biggest downside is his uh, artifact classification. Yeah, this guy's part of the cycle of artifact creatures that have this Phyrexian mana in it, so it is a downside to it. Uh, but, you know, it is very good value for what you have. Oh, I didn't realize that. Glad you pointed that out. And our next card is Geth's Verdict for two black. Target player sacrifices a creature and loses one life. Love it for Pauper. I don't know, I love it in general. Like, we have cards like this in the cube, like Diabolic Edict, that does almost the same thing. Like, this card, I don't think it's going to replace it, Diabolic Edict, because Edict is easier to cast, and the one life is really not that relevant. But it's nice to have, like, an Edict reprinted for standard. Um, and I think just in any kind of format, you know, obviously removal is key, but this kind of removal where it doesn't, you don't need, like, you don't have to worry about, like, protection against certain things or how big the creature is or, you know, or what color it is, for that matter. It's kind of nice to be able to have guest verdict options. I think this is probably going to be a really high pick for anybody playing black. Yep. Love this card. 
quite to see glad to see it back. In limited constructor, I think it's viable in both. Love it. Yeah, but I have a rules question for you. So somebody plays Geth's Verdict, and you have a Silvac Silvac replica. Let's say, can you sack your Silvac replica and which one is Silvac? Is that the one that does three damage to it? Can you do that in response to this and be okay? Does that make sense? Do you have any other creatures on your side? Then no, you'll be losing two creatures. Yeah, I think about this card that it's non-specific. Um, one thing though that I'm wondering about, I guess the I guess the more important real question, like I say, do you have one creature out and it's that Volshock replica? And you sack it in response to the guest verdict and hit them for three to the face, and you have no other creatures left. Do you still lose one life? I don't think so. Well, hmm. Target player sacrifices a creature. Yeah, I think you do. It doesn't say if yeah, target because player they can sacrifices a creature, then they lose one life. Because even if they have no creatures, you can still target them. And it's like a two-part ability. As long as it had an illegal target, which is their the, them themselves as the player then the uh, second part still resolves. Bingo. And our next common is Pristine Talisman for three. Tap it and add one mana to your mana pool. And you gain one life. This card seemed pretty bad to me. Alright, looks like we're breaking into the uncommons here. We have Deceiver Exarch, which is two and a blue. It's a creature cleric. It's 1-4 with flash. When Deceiver Exarch enters the battlefield, choose one. Untap target permanent you control, or tap target permanent an opponent controls. There's your Splinter Twin, uh, Twin. But uh, as far as limited, good stuff still. Just a, just a Horn Turtles, good. I think it's also nice because it's a combat trick and something that Blue doesn't necessarily have that much of. Um, so it's nice to be able to, say, you're being attacked, and you can flash your guy in and block that way. Or you could have attacked the creature the other turn, your opponent thinks it has sort of a, you know, a, a straight shot through your left hole. You, you know, flash this guy in and untap your, you know, your tapped guy and then block and then kill your creature like that. I think it's nice that blue has this combat trick. And plus, a 1-4 for 3 mana, it seems very efficient to me. Um, and it's something that blue really needs a lot of, like, so... I guess the, the other one form that I'm even thinking that I think Scars has is the the double blue uh, the double blue one that has no other abilities on that at all. For this one, you're paying one... Remember what card's called, Pasta? Yeah, Plated Sea Strider. Yeah, so I mean, you're playing one more mana, and for that you get the same body, but you get the flash ability and the ability to untap or tap a creature. It seems pretty nuts to me. Yep. This is, uh... It's like Mirror and Spy, but... On steroids. And the next uncommon is Phyrexia's Core. Tap it, add one to your mana pool, one colorless, or pay one colorless and sacrifice an artifact, you gain one light. Uh, this card's like the cloud post of the set. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. No, it, it actually has its uses. It gives you an outlet for the uh, wellsprings, and I, I think wellsprings are actually pretty powerful. That's true. It's still not awesome, but it's it's better Pasta's than Cloudpost. He's first picking it. He's first picking it. Okay. Our next uncommon is Wing Splicer. Just three and a blue. It's a 1-1. One, one. 
When Wing Splicer enters the battlefield, put a 3-3 colorless Golem artifact feature token onto the battlefield. Golem creatures you control have flying. I like the Splicers for um, limited, personally. Because in terms of what you're paying to get the body, it's really pretty good. I mean, on, that's your pay on that you're paying 4 mana for essentially 4... 4-4 four, four total, but it's in two bodies, so at least if they've got removal, you're still going to be left with something. I 100% agree with that. You're paying uh, 3 and a blue for a 1-1 one, one and a 3-3 three, three flyer, or at the very least, you're paying 4 for a 3-3, three, three, and uh, that's pretty common. That's a hill giant, and hill giants are always playable. And you think about it, like, there are there are a lot of cards actually been printed that, I mean, I would definitely pay. This was just, like, not even the, like, the 1-1. One, one, this is, like, a 3-3 three, three flyer for 4. That would already be playable in most decks, um, especially in Limited. And the fact that it's two different guys, plus, it, it, it's, the I guess the true value of this card is that it's tribal. So the more of these splicers you have, the better the overall effect is. Um, so your opponent really has a choice of, well, do I want to kill the 3-3 three, three, which is, you know, the actual threat, or do I want to kill the splicer, which is giving his other golems flying? I mean, so they have, you know, it's splitting their removal in half, um, sort of having the, their ability to respond to your creatures. Um, so if you have a few more of these splicers, your deck suddenly gets just insane, because they don't, they're not going to have enough removal to deal with all of your threats. And I think some of the splicers are worse than others, um, for sure. I think the, the wing splicer actually is one of the better ones. Um, I think probably the best splicers, though, are in white, so if I was going to place these splicers, I think I might actually build like uh, a blue, like a blue-white because I think the splicers in those two colors just complement each other so well, and plus I think they're more efficiently costed than the other ones, perhaps. There's definitely a Golem deck to be built in, in limited. You, you just got to get your pieces in that first pack quite early. But like you said, blue-white's the way to go. If you keep getting past those, then snatch them up. Sweet. Golem Artisan, Golem Foundry, ho-ho, buddy. Trouble is, you're only getting one pack of each, you know? Right, that's why these splicers, it's, it'll rarely happen where that deck's being passed to you, but it's just something to take notice of. If you keep seeing splicers coming towards you, then have some fun with it and go for it. I think what would make me go splicers is that, like, they're, like I said, the, the best splicers, in my opinion, are the ones in white and... I think a couple of them actually in, are rare. So if I were to open up, say the rare was this, you know the splicer in white, I think there I might try to start forcing the splicer archetype. Otherwise, I mean it's still good even if you only have that one splicer. Um, but splicer deck definitely seems like it'd be. I definitely go for it harder if I opened up the rare splicer in the first pack. Yeah, exactly. It's just something to be aware of. Don't don't just be blind to a splicer decking spinning past you, but at least in that first pack, don't make that your only, uh, like, I'm, I'm doing the splicer deck. Just be aware that it's it's possible to do so. And don't forget, release week, triple new Phyrexia drafts. No way, are you kidding? Woo! It's always like that, man. That's what they usually do. Sweetness. Nice. Well, here we go for our rare. We have Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. Mythic. Yeah, I'm taking that uh, that that crap land. Herexia's core. Yep. No, seriously, would you take this in limited? Uh, yeah, one hundred percent. You can't pass pass an Elish Norn. And 
You know, it's only, what does it cost, like, seven mana? Uh, it's five and two white, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that's extre- that's very doable in limited format, especially when you have, th- you know, accelerants like Mirror and Spear of the Suns and, you know, the other things we've talked about so far. Um, seven mana is, I think, going to be pretty key for the new Phyrexia set in general. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of people casting things at seven, uh, and I think if you're going to be casting anything at seven, that the best thing you can do is cast one of these Praetors. Well, and this is, pro- if not the best uh, Praetor, at least second best. This m- this is just a bomb card. This is this is like a massacre worm. Yeah, I think between the the best Praetors, in my opinion, are the the black and the white ones. So either one of those, pick you know, slam those. Either one of those, you just automatically include, and you're going to play. No, that's the only white card you have. You're still going to try to play white for that Praetor. Yep, yep. So that's it. That's Crack-A-Pack. And that's episode 24, The Voice of Seraphim. Something to keep in mind for the future. Next time there's a new set, uh, we should try to do a, a set review of a few clan members can set aside side time. Just go through the, the set. Ooh, set review. Yeah, I was trying to figure out how to structure that last time, actually. I think... I, think I mean... I think the best way to do it would just be to do one color at a time, and either you do it all at once, just like, let's say, maybe, like, I think each podcast that we're doing a set review should feature one color, but we could do, like, maybe one podcast, we talk about three colors, and then you just flip those in three and re- release them, you know, per, like, on a per-podcast basis, maybe, or maybe three smaller podcasts throughout the week, sort of like the way that Evan Irwin does his, is doing his set review on the Magic Show, because each show is dedicated to one color. Yeah, exactly, and, like, any of the, like, Magic writers or people do it, I mean... If clan members that want to participate want to go ahead and just step up the participation for that time, just do it as like a releasing a color every couple of days, be it if it's recorded all at once or not, something that comes along every three months. I think it would be cool for something Seraphim could do. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's organizing it, yeah. I mean, structuring it so it doesn't go on, like, forever. Yep. Well... Thanks for joining us. It's good to be back. We'll be back next week. What are we going to call it? No, the return of pasta. Pasta returns. Yeah, sounds kind of boring. I agree. <laughs> I did return some library books today, though. Pasta returns library books. That's yeah. exciting, right? Thrilling. Riveting. but I do have to go. So everybody say goodbye really nicely. Like you mean it. Bye. Goodbye, Goodbye, It's been a pleasure. (laughs) The pleasure has been all mine. See you there, guys. Wait, do I get to pick the song? can, yeah. Ooh, I pick Shadrach. Do what? I pick Shadrach. I don't know what that is. S-H-A-D-R-A-C-H. It'll be your first YouTube hit. S. So, Pasta, how much fun are you going to have with Birthing Pod? It's like a brewer's dream. Nah, I'm none. I'm going to make a Leonin uh, Relic Warder. Fun stuff. That's where I got my eyes at. What are you going to do with that? I like the, the whole uh, Relic Warder with the... Uh, Artifact clone.
that would be to do on Magic Online. Yeah. I don't care. I'm gonna... I'm gonna put it in a deck somewhere and make it work. When you do, let me know so I can play you and watch you time out while you're trying to go to Infinite Life. Will do. It's the first combo I've actually been excited about since uh, Bizarre Trainer. I made that mother work. Yeah, I know, I think it broke my heart in one of our standard tournaments once. I think one of the ones where you were hosting it in So Song, so you were doing the signatures and I was trying to win it. And I was playing a. what I called Scalding Monument. And you beat me in the finals. Yeah, I don't like winning my own trophies. But I was glad I won that one. It's hard trading, man. Social. I still need to get a Tezzeret signature at some point. I was so close though in terms of taking it. And the deck just like failed hardcore in the finals. I don't want to hear either one of you complain about not getting a specific card or trophy because do you know how much, how many losses I've taken trying to get the frickin' best skill minutes? Jed has played like the best tier 1 deck in the format and then put a few skill minutes on your sideboard if you wanted it that bad. Just, no, that's, that's cheating. <laughs> I want it to be legit. I singled in a few skill minutes. 
in the sideboard. I could do that with the green-white tokens deck. I just refuse. Yep. What's up, Eldritch? Hey, what's up? Dude, not much, man. Living life, you know. <laughs> we just finished the podcast. Oh, did you? Nice. How'd it go? I think it went about three hours. Holy moly, man. Then go no three hours. Went two hours. This is true. Anybody up for a game? Come on, Axe. That intro is pretty sweet. Some old school hip hop. <laughs> That's it for episode 25 of The Voice of Seraphim. I'd like to thank my co host, Eldridge Song, and our guest, Dark Worship and Pastafarian, for joining us this week. Members of the clan can join us for the next recording of The Voice of Seraphim on Saturday, May 21st at 9 p.m. Seraphim time. Till next time. Stike Cax, you've been listening to the Voice of Seraphim. <laughs>